Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. A vaccine breakthrough, but how long until we're vaccinated? We're looking into what we know, what we don't, and when this might all be over. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. A great day for humanity. That's what the Pfizer vaccine's developers called Monday, after early results from six clinical trials in six countries found the jab prevented 90% of coronavirus cases with no safety concerns raised. The Prime Minister was cautiously optimistic. We've talked for a long time, or I have, about the distant bugle of the scientific cavalry uh, coming over the brow of the hill. I can tell you that tonight that toot of that bugle is louder, but it's still some way off. But stock markets around the world surged. The FTSE 100 saw its best day since March, and many scientists concurred. Sir John Bell, a member of the government's vaccine task force, was particularly positive when asked this by the BBC's Sarah Montague on Radio 4. Do we now say with confidence that life should be returning to normal by spring? Yes. 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 I think that's a yes then. But how specific can we be about a time frame? Could some people be protected by Christmas? And is developing the vaccine the difficult bit? What about distributing it? To answer those questions, I gave Dr. Al Edwards a call. He's a leading immunologist at the University of Reading. And he started by telling me that he too was feeling buoyed by the news. It's brilliant news. So in a way, with the vaccine trials, it's a bit tricky because we kind of expect some, if not all, of the vaccines to work. So what we're really, you know, dreading is negative results. So when we get positive results, it's a big relief. It's a big relief, too, for me to hear and the listeners, I'm sure, to hear someone who knows so much about the science sounds so positive about this update. Um, But the hard work isn't over. The vaccine is not yet approved. Can you talk us through the next stages and what we need to look out for with this Pfizer vaccine? So that's the bit that's really difficult, because although we have this very, very tiny press release, a sort of fragment of data, we would expect that to be followed with much more detailed data and further trial results. But remember that there's a whole process of hundreds, if not thousands of pages of documentation that have to be prepared and submitted uh, for review by all of the medicines regulators. They have to all sit down and read it all and come to an informed decision before we can have official approval. And even when a vaccine is officially approved, we then need to find out how much has been made, if you know, and how much is going to be made, 
We need to distribute that around the whole world. Um, we have to find how to store it and keep it safe. We have to then find all the people who are going to vaccinate and line them all up. And we have to then find people who are qualified to administer those vaccines. So it's an enormous undertaking. What can you tell us now about how long such an enormous undertaking like this could take? People are scrambling for a timeline and a sense, a desperate sense that the end might be in sight for all of this. What's your impression of how long it could take for things to play out with regard to a vaccine? So what we have to think about is, you know, what are the phases? So we know that in the UK every year we run a flu vaccination service. And in the UK, something like 15 million people were vaccinated against influenza last year. Um, so that's about a third, sorry, quarter of the population. That vaccination programme doesn't take all year. It takes a few months, but it is a huge undertaking. But what it shows is that we can do something that makes an enormous difference. And that flu vaccination programme saves a lot of lives. We know that every year it saves huge numbers of unnecessary deaths from influenza. Um, how long it will take will depend on lots of things that we don't know about, such as raw manufacturing capacity. We don't know how much of each individual vaccine can be produced. We don't know how long it will take for them to manufacture it. We don't know how long it will take for them to take the vaccine that they have manufactured and put it into little tubes that can be sent around. Um, and so that, you know, that is going to be a big problem. Um, and so there are a lot of unknowns. But we do know that a vaccination programme in theory could, could take place over you know, sort of, I don't know, three to six months. Um, we just don't know when that will start. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, said on Tuesday that we in the UK are likely to be among the first people in the world to receive a vaccine and that the health service has been asked to be ready to distribute a vaccine from the start of December should one be approved. Do you think that's wishful thinking? And if it did happen, is there any chance that some people could be protected by Christmas? So the data that we have from the press release says that after something like eight days after the second dose, they got very high level of protection. But even then, from the first dose, that's something like 30 days. So, you know, nobody's going to be protected by the end of December. Um, and even if people do get uh, vaccinated at the start of December, it's not going to be very large numbers of people. I just don't think that it's possible for all of the paperwork to be done and large numbers of doses to be shipped all around the world in that time frame. But I think what you'll start to see is pilots, you know, a bit like with the Liverpool testing pilot. The, the first aim is just to get some experience and, and roll it out and see what happens. And pilots might well be needed even just to test the distribution of the vaccine, which is a huge challenge in itself. Tell us, Dr. Edwards, why is that quite so tricky? There are a couple of factors with this Pfizer vaccine in particular that make it particularly difficult to distribute. So manufacturing vaccines is a really difficult area. Um, so each of the vaccines that's in trial will have a different manufacturing process. And an enormous amount of work has, got, has been going on for at least the last, you know, right since the beginning of the year. And actually before that, to, to, to try and work out how we deal with um, pandemics and new outbreaks in terms of suddenly starting to make a medicine that's very difficult to make on a large scale. But that in itself would be a big problem. So if you remember right back at the beginning of the testing programme, we would hear reports that testing was delayed because they were missing some key chemical. Um, and it will be exactly the same sort of thing for vaccine manufacturing, that if one of the key ingredients isn't available in you know, sufficient quality or you know, quickly enough, that could cause delays. So these are all the big sort of unknown challenges. And I think, you know, we're celebrating the science, but we should be celebrating all of the manufacturers as well. 
um, going to extraordinary lengths uh, and working incredibly hard to sort that out. So that's that's in order to mass produce lots and lots of vaccine. But even then, once you've got these huge quantities of vaccine, you then have to put it in lots of little tiny sterile glass vials. Even if each vial will vaccinate 10 people, you still need millions of these. Uh, that's something that's called fill finish. And so that's another process that has to happen. And then you've got to sort of truck the stuff around. So um, one of the surprising things about this very first vaccine trial is this particular vaccine needs to be stored particularly cold, not just in a freezer, but in an ultra freezer. Um, and so there'll be lots of um, work needed to make sure that we can keep it cold enough when it's being shipped around the world. Um, and then finally, you've got to think about it on the ground that when you have a vaccination program, every person who's vaccinated has to have one to one medical consultation with a, a trained professional. And there's lots of things associated with that. You know, people need to book an appointment. And if you've ever had to you know, or tried to book a flu appointment, it's not always straightforward. Um, so there's a long list of things that have to happen. That is one long list and uh, further proof why I'm a journalist and not someone working on a vaccine. I salute the people who are working so hard to help us get ready for each step. If we do make it some way down that list, the UK's ordered 40 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine, 10 million of which could be ready by the end of the year. And in total, we've ordered more than 350 million doses of different types of vaccines should they be approved. To me, that just seems like an enormous number for a population of 66 million people. Can you contextualise it for us? Does it mean that we can be sure that enough Britons will be covered when a vaccine is approved? Uh, I think that, again, that will take time. So one of the things is that there are lots of different vaccines and that's actually not unusual. And that's something we're probably well set up to cope with. So just to put that in perspective, um, I mentioned already there's a flu vaccination program. It may be surprising to hear that this year, I think there's four, if not five different flu vaccine products which are used in that program. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons why different particular products are used for different people. It could be that some of those products are better suited to children, for example. We have the spray that goes up the nose, which is good for children. Um, it could be that some of those vaccines are produced in a particular way that, that, that for example, with flu vaccine, some of the vaccines are made without egg. And only the few individuals who have egg allergies don't have that vaccine. So there's actually quite a complicated selection process to make sure everybody gets the right vaccine. But it's something we're geared up to cope with. I think, again, you've got to think about what's your aim of vaccination. The first thing is to try and protect the most vulnerable people uh, who are more likely to suffer severe disease. But then the second phase is to reduce transmission. And in order to reduce transmission, you need to vaccinate a very large proportion of the population. So that's why we need lots of doses, not so much for the first phase where we're trying to reduce deaths, but the second phase where we're trying to protect everyone by reducing transmission. The rest of the coronavirus latest news. The number of weekly deaths involving COVID-19 in England and Wales has exceeded 1,000 for the first time since June, according to the Office for National Statistics. 1,379 deaths where COVID was mentioned on the death certificate were registered in the week ending the 30th of October. It's also the highest number of deaths involving coronavirus since the week ending the 5th of June. The UK's unemployment rate rose from 4.5% to 4.8% in the three months to September as the pandemic continued to hit jobs. 
Redundancies rose to a record high of 314,000 following consistent rises since June, according to the Office for National Statistics. Analysts say the furlough scheme extension from the end of October to March came too late in the day, with many firms making workers redundant in anticipation of its end. GCSE, AS and A-level exams won't take place in Wales next summer. Instead, grades will be based on classroom assessments completed with teacher supervision. Education Minister Kirsty Williams said it was impossible to guarantee a level playing field for exams due to the ongoing impact of the pandemic. As always, if you'd like to read more on any of those stories, you can find links to our full write-ups on the Telegraph website by delving into the episode description. And if you don't already subscribe to the Telegraph, you'll want to head first to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where you can sign up for 30 days free. While you're there, I can highly recommend a piece by my colleague from the global health security team, Sarah Newey, who you may have heard on this podcast. She's written a brilliant piece of analysis about why we should be concerned about the spread of a new SARS-CoV-2 mutation in mink, which means Denmark's about to cull its entire population of 17 million mink. In September, strains of the virus found in people who'd had contact with the mink farming industry appeared resistant to antibodies. And Sarah tells us why she thinks concerns about how this mink mutation could affect the chances of a successful vaccine could be overblown. But if the virus is to gain a stronghold in animals... Well, it's not good news. Link to that piece also in the show notes. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends or on social media. And finally, if you have a question about the virus or a topic you think I should be covering, email me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk or you can find me on Twitter at T underscore Leludis. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leludis. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.